Welcome to Machine Learning. Uh, doing a lot with Group Buy and uh, looking at the Olympics. It's interesting because the United States, uh, since 1980, has dominated the Olympics. Uh, it, it, uh, in terms of number of medals, and uh, but there's one area where they they weren't really strong, and that was Taekwondo, and uh, the number one country for medals in, in Taekwondo was Korea. So uh, event specific can be be dominated by different uh, the, the nations, NOCs, and uh, um, but overall the United States had the most medals and uh, emphasis on sports and uh, athletic pool. You know, America has been the kind of like the melting pot of the world. Uh, you know, a lot of people would say Hawaii, but I think America, um, well, and Hawaii being uh, in America, so you you could you could say that uh, that Hawaii contributed also to that. But um, but the United States control of, or not control, but uh, number of winnings. Uh, was is significant. The, it's number one, and even in the last ten years, the United States still had the most medals. And so, it's interesting. Uh, what I did is use the pivot table, analyze the data. So I used the group by, and then, and I fed that into. Well, actually, just used the data frame and fed that into a pivot table. They're very very useful because you don't need to have a multi-index set up. Now, if you use Pivot, again, like we said yesterday, you'll have to set up your multi-index before you can use it. Um, and then uh, I, the values, uh, I did a count, and then I did my values column was name, and uh, the columns were index was NOC and the columns were I think team anyway I was able to analyze it and see kind of like at a high level each year how um, how uh, the different countries were doing the United States ranked up there uh, so that you can one way quick way to do this is on your data frame on your data frame uh, use a value count and that will break things down. Uh, you can use a group by, and you can do different aggregations, uh, like you could uh, do sum, mean, median, uh, count, size, things like that. And uh, so what the exercise is to do is kind of like explore the data. And uh, I'm kind of wondering like some of the questions that might be related to the Olympics. Like, uh, you know, when I looked at the United States pattern of, of, uh, of wins and losses per year and plotted it out, it was kind of erratic. It wasn't like a straight line of consistent wins. You know, yes, the United States won overall, but each year there were variations between the number of medals that they had. And uh, there, there were pretty wide swings. So. It makes you wonder how the recruitment for the Olympics is, uh, occurs in the United States where your, your talent pool is fluctuating so much. But 
but when you think about like uh, you know how people make it to the Olympics and how they qualify, uh, it, it's it's uh, it's quite a long process, and uh, and then when you when you're uh, you know you perform at the Olympics, you know there's lots of things that can go wrong, you know acts. Uh, injuries uh like you know one of the famous ones i remember when growing up was uh, i think it was the mile or 1600 meters and a lady stepped on the back of her shoe and uh and then caused her to trip and and uh, she wasn't able to you know complete the the race but she was she was uh, uh positioned to be number one that that was a bad accident. Others have health issues. Uh, it's it's real interesting that uh, I heard uh, that the diets that a lot of the athletes have are very specific, and they have to eat certain foods, and you know they're uh, on really tight regimen for the diets that they eat. So there's a lot of preparation for even preparing. Uh, there were some cases where athletes were disqualified because of usage of steroids, I remember. And, um, you know, and then there's political things that are going on uh, in the world where some countries won't come and compete because of the political tensions between their countries. So it's a, there's a lot of factors that come together for to... Uh, evaluate the performance of Olympia in the in the Olympic Games. Um, so it was just interesting. I was able to pull the data. I think it was about five meg, and uh, and then I was able to grab that data and uh, look at it and, and start to analyze it. One of the things I also did was. When you do a, a, a group by, you don't have to necessarily specify uh, the columns that you're interested in. So by default, it will select everything uh, that is, can be aggregated as your columns. So that means everything that's numeric. And uh, so, you can, uh, what I do is I create uh, what they call, I, I do, it's not, it's just a term that they used in DataCamp called splitting. But uh, what it means is you can stratify your data just by your group by, and then you can look at each stratification. So, uh, for example, I could stratify the Olympics data by NOC and year, and that would be my group by index. And or group by fields that I'm going to uh, I'm going to be aggregating, and then uh, I can iterate over the splitting variable and into a group name, which would be uh, the index tuple and the group. Now, this is not, and uh, this is just a grouped set and there's no operation on it, then I can specify the fields that I'm interested in and dot, then like sum, mean, median, 
standard deviation, so forth, count, and print that out or, or put that into another list. And so then I can see the relationship of how the data looks as it's stratified. Uh, and then I can do my aggregation at each, each level. And that, that was something that uh, when I was, they introduced that, I thought that would be really helpful because oftentimes, you know, you're seeing uh, when you, you do the uh, overall grouped and then you have the fields and then you have the methods. You can't really, you can't really analyze or do something specific at that group level. Um, you, because there isn't a apply that, that, a, that can be attached to a grouped set. So that's one of the weaknesses of the group set is it doesn't behave like a data frame. And uh, unfortunately, it'd be nice if they changed that philosophy and the group I was basically a data frame and then you can do apply and transform on that group. Now, one of the things that was really confusing on transform when I was looking at it yesterday when I was applying C-scores um, is that it returns the complete data frame. So you do your group by and then uh, it feeds that series into your transform but the transform itself after it's gone through and processed the, the Z which is the uh, the series minus the series average divided all divided by the standard deviation of the series um, it returns the complete data frame with the modified transformed uh, series and then you can apply a filter to that transform or the standardized uh, output and then apply, um, mass that back onto the data frame to see what the results are. So that, you know, it's not, it's not going row by row and making the transformation. It's like apply does. It is, uh, it's taking the whole data frame and transforming the data frame. So that's, that's kind of the big difference I saw between apply and transform. Um, so it, it can be kind of challenging, but there's, you know, once you understand that that's what transform is doing, then you, you know, you follow the pattern of transform, filter, and uh, mask. And that seems to be how you, you use transform with Z-score. Well, and why do you use Z-score? Well, Z-score is used to find outliers. Well, so you're looking where the Z-score might be negative, greater than negative two, uh, positive two, and those are those are uh, cases where they go uh, above this quite a few units above the standard deviation, and uh, uh, and that and that's that puts it in that, that uh, percentile that is possibly in that uh, uh, outlier case, and so those that those pieces of data have to be looked at as you know they're not their variance is too high and uh, there's something that should be catching your attention there 
you can use that in like credit card fraud detection like for example if the person's average you know charges are let's say three or four hundred dollars and all of a sudden a, a big charge for twenty thousand dollars comes in that should de be detectable in the uh, z-score and maybe then you have a customer service agent call up the customer and ask them if they really did complete uh, perform that that transaction or if, if they're um, if they're unaware that you know maybe there's some fraud that occurred and, and then the fraud team can uh, follow up and, and pursue uh, remedies for that you know sometimes people do crazy things like they they have to do car repairs on credit card and or they buy uh, you know they buy clothes on the credit card or you know they do something that is going to provide some short-term utility that uh, should have actually just been saved and then and then uh, uh, purchased but they purchase it on credit and uh, you know those things you know if they if they do those things then you know that that should that type of behavior should trigger um, alerts and not only to the you know the credit card company or the bank but also to the consumer that their behavior is abnormal and, uh, and a risky a higher risk so the higher amounts of debt that you incur at credit cards um, the harder it is to pay off because you're paying a huge amount of interest on that unsecured debt and so as you pay that interest as more money goes to paying interest less goes to paying principal and uh, so if you're making those minimum payments your your uh, your debt payoff is really prolonged for a long time so you have to you have to look at your percentages how much am I paying in interest how much am I paying in principal and you know the interest is accumulating so it's compounding so even though you might be let's say paying 20% uh, uh, in interest at 80% in principal on your payment the fact that you are having such a high interest rate means that each month there's a certain amount of interest that's being charged so if you calculate how much interest the better way to do this is calculate how much compound interest that you're getting charged a month and that becomes your minimum uh, interest payment or max you you would have to pay at least that amount of money then uh, figure out how fast you want to pay off the principal and in how many months and then divide that into uh, the, the remaining principal amount and then that should be your payment and there's calculators for calculating compound interest and how much uh, it, you could you're be charged per month on that interest so if you're at 21 percent and you had a hundred dollars that means for that month uh, uh, it would uh, be at least 21 percent or 21 dollars in interest 
that you would, you would pay as your minimum payment. And uh, um, so you wouldn't look at the bank's minimum payment, but you do your own calculation on the interest to figure out how much int the interest is accumulating. Because what happens when people pay their minimum payments is that they go, my princi the principal I have is still enormous. Like if they have uh, $50,000 or $70,000 on their credit card, which is ridiculous, but if they did, you know, they might be making $700 a month payments and, uh, and they might be doing that for 30 years. So again, that's what I'm saying is you have to understand your interest on those payments Otherwise, you can end up paying exorbitant amounts of money and uh, probably uh, not in a healthy fashion because it's not working for you, it's working against you. Well, I always told my kids when they wanted to go you know, to school on student loans, I said, do not eat on a student loan. That is super expensive food because you might go think, well, I can go down... Uh, and get a cheeseburger and, and I'll put that on my student loan. And, uh, but I said, uh, you know, t uh, you figure out what that cheeseburger cost you for 10 years of interest and it's a super expensive cheeseburger. So what they did is they lived very frugally and uh, they paid as they went. One daughter paid as she went through college and the other one took the student loan and she's still paying it off, but um, she's got a couple of them paid off now, so it's great. 